I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We are two landscape designers that have been in the industry well over 25 years. And through this podcast, Digging Deep, we've been bringing to you our knowledge and our challenges, our screw-ups, and what else? Our foibles and our stories. (laughs) That's the best part, our stories, things about whatever we can help you with to create these wonderful outdoor environments for you and your family. And the stories are the best part. The stories are the best part. We've had a bit of a break, and we're going to have a little more of a break because of a few things. First of all, we have the Home and Landscape, the Northern California Home and Landscape Expo. Let me say it right. That's coming up February 3rd through the 5th um, at the Cal Expo in Sacramento. And both Michael and I, uh, we have a booth there that we've decorated to a certain extent, and we speak there. So um, with that, following the heels of Christmas and New Year's, we're taking a little break, but we're also going to reconfigure things. So. Michael, tell me a little bit about what's actually it's the end of year. Tell me a little bit about your year. Okay, um, my year. Um, it's it's been you know, and I know that Roberta's the same way. Um, COVID. When COVID came, we both worried that it was going to be the end of business, and instead, it was the beginning. It was like a dawn of the new awakening, where people were really more interested in creating these spaces, doing their landscapes, and so business doubled and tripled. And just we've been really, really busy. Um, I was telling her this year, it's been a great year. It's been a frustrating year because um, some of the clients don't have patience, and there aren't enough contractors to do the work. But I was. I was recounting um, some of the funny stories and, and I, I was talking to Roberta earlier and I said, there's one funny story that I thought I'd really share with people. Most of the time when I go to see a client and they have questions and they have problems, I'm able to solve the problem. But there was one sit- in situation where it was, I was totally stumped. I'm still stumped. So a little background. Um, client before I ever got there, they had they had this very open floor plan glass on the back of the house. So along the back of the house, not where there are doors, um, they actually created a koi pond, very kind of contemporary, so that when you looked out the window, you could see all of their koi fish. And if you can imagine, it's about 30 feet long by about seven feet wide and about two and a half, three feet deep. And they have some very, very wonderful prize koi that as you stand inside the house, you can see swimming along. And it's really quite amazing. Well, the first first part of it, which is really kind of funny, is I show up at the house and there's other projects that we're going to work on. And I'm standing there and I'm, I see this blue heron, which was just standing, you know, right by the koi pond. And it, I'm assuming that it is a sculpture because it doesn't move at all. I mean, there's no, there's no movement whatsoever. So I said to the homeowner, I said, oh, my God, where did you get that blue heron sculpture? I said, it is the most lifelike thing. And she <laughs> starts cracking up and she goes, that's because it's real. And right as she said that, it moved over to the pool area. And she said, we've had a problem because the blue heron kind of made itself home there and was starting to attack and eat the koi. So the solution for that was we put netting over over the koi pond so you could still see in, but that the blue heron couldn't get to the koi. So problem solved, so we thought. Well, 
about two weeks later, um, she she in the morning she got up and she and her husband discovered that one of their prize koi was dead on on the the decking area and half of it was eaten and the other half was just laying there. So they couldn't figure out, and it wasn't the heron, because when the heron used to take the fish, he would just grab it and fly away. Exactly. So they couldn't figure out what it was. So they set up a webcam, you know, one of those those uh, uh, cameras, so that whenever there's movement, it would turn on. And I came over the next day, and she said, you've got to see this. And sure enough, she opens up her phone, and she she lets me see the webcam. And there unbeknownst and mind you they're in a place where they're the closest water source is about five miles away there's some rivers around there and so i'm looking at this webcam and all of a sudden i see it's otters two otters come running up lift up the the netting go in there they're laying on their back one of them is, is after the fish and everything and the culprit to now that's eating her fish are otters and i'm just like uh, uh, and she goes, well, what am I going to do? And I have to be honest with you. I had not a clue. In fact, I started to do some research and it said, yes, river otters, this is, this is endemic for river otters. They'll come, they'll, they, it's, they'll eat the fish, not because they're hungry, because it's a game. They'll leave half of it eaten, half of it just laying there. They play with it. They, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, I have no idea. So I basically, when I left there, I swore, I got to be honest with you, I have no idea what to do. I said, I, I, you know, you can't cover it because if they put a cover, a solid cover over it, they need you won't be able, yeah, you won't be able to see it from the inside and it defeats all purpose. Um, you know, you can't fence around it. I mean, to be honest with you, I had not a clue. And the, the closest to the river that they were were five miles and it was like, how does an otter know that five miles interior, there are koi fish suddenly? I mean, what, someone dropped it a line and said, you know, we got a hot tip, <laughs> you know, go on this street and there. The So that was my funny story. You know, um, koi can be thousands and thousands of dollars, you know. Yes. Uh, they are priced. And I have clients as well that um, have koi. Normally... If one of, if any of my clients want a koi pond, I have to, you know, give them the whole spiel. It's got to be at least four feet deep. There's got to be places to hide, you know, the predators. There's also, you know, raccoon will go in there and eat them. So um, that's having koi is more not to mention. So the clients that have the big koi, um, he's a doctor. And every once in a while, he's got to pull them out and inject him because they get, you know, disease and stuff. Right, so right. Really need, you know, they're like any other pet. You. You know, you have to take care of them. Well, as you were um, talking, I, I have an, a lovely story from from this year. I was stopping by at a Peach Coffee, and there's a, a group of people. And as I passed, I heard somebody say, uh, good morning. And so I turned around, and I stopped, and I looked under this man's hat brim, and I said, is that you? And he said, oh, my God. It's you, Roberta. Oh, my God. I have to tell you. He said, our garden. He said, remember, my wife is um, immune compromised. And and she during COVID, I mean, we haven't been able to go anywhere. She's She has to stay out of the sun. She has to stay away from people. And he said, that garden that you created was our life, our serenity. And 
as he was telling me this, I just that it makes the hairs on my arm stand up because, you know, yes, we make money doing what we're doing. However, this kind of joy and feedback is worth so much. Absolutely. That is a great story because again, that it's, it, you know, the funny thing is in our field, I mean, you can make a lot more money if you decide you want to design and you want to shrub up parking lots. I mean, they'll pay for commercial, they'll pay a lot of money to design a parking lot. And it's like, uh, yeah, well, how much satisfaction will I get um, designing a parking lot and putting shade trees in there. So, I mean, part of what we do is because of the love of what we're doing, what we're creating and the whole creative aspect of it. So yeah, money's important. You have to be able to pay your bills, but there's also exactly what Roberta said. There's also some sort of wonderful satisfaction to know that you're creating in many respects, even changing and affecting people's lives. Oh, completely. And, you know, that's why we talk about landscape design. We talk about designing tips. We talk about things to do. However, when a landscape is well designed, it become it takes on a life of its own, and it becomes something that I, I've had clients that say, you know, we don't need to travel. We have everything here, <laughs> you know, in their yard, and um, that's what we talk about when we create outdoor rooms and habitats and in your own yard. You know, you don't have to go somewhere to find that. Although it's nice to travel as well. But anyway, this year, both Michael and I, uh, we were extremely busy because everybody at a certain point from 2020 on um, were home. And when things lightened up, they were still at home because a lot of businesses changed the way they did things and people could work remotely. So when you're home and you're looking out the window and you think, oh, man, that is so ugly. We got to do something. (laughs) That's why we've been so crazy busy this year. Exactly. And so one of the things that Roberta and I talked about in future going on is, you know, sure, we can recount, you know, stories and things like that. And and I'm sure those of you that do listen, get something out of it. But there are a lot of professionals out there that would be really interesting to interview, to talk to, to find out what their inspiration was. And that's what we thought for next year's podcast is that we would start bringing in other people to talk about their inspirations. Maybe they're a an arborist. Maybe they're a TV producer that works, you know, for, um, you know, like outside, uh, you know, like yard crashers or, or makeover shows. Um, maybe they're a photographer and what do they look like? Um, cause it's interesting. What we see in our eyes is very different than what a photographer sees and how you prep and get ready to do photography is a really interesting way of, of looking at it because the camera sees something very different than what we see. So that would be a really interesting to talk to someone that photographs landscapes and what they look for and what's good, what's bad and everything. And, and um, the kind of elements that they're, they're stressing. Yes. Well, now that we're free to move around even more, so um, we can approach, we can go and approach um, these different professionals and bring them to you in a podcast. So, um, you know, we'll be our normal selves and we'll continue to tell our stories, but we're going to have people on that will tell their stories as well, how they do it, what they're doing, why they're doing it. And we thought that would add a new element because that was our original intent, but COVID hit. Exactly. (laughs) Changed. Yeah. Um, I mean, we live on a planet that's ever changing. Right. Yes. And, but I think that 
over the last five years, it just seems that these changes are accelerating. And then, I mean, not just with climate, but also um, in our lives, you know, having something like COVID was unprecedented and it changed so many people's lives. And, um, you know, there's there's a good side and a bad side. Of course, the horrible side is how many people died and got infected. The other side is um, people stopped doing what they were doing just because they had to and started doing what they wanted to do. And right into, you know, gardening and working at home or starting new businesses or just doing things different. And so um, it's so comfortable to have things stay the same, but <laughs> it's also uh, things like the weather and the climate and planting. I just don't know if something like the farmer's almanac can keep up anymore. No, it's true because you used to be able to, I mean, again, I remember growing up, you know, when I went to school at Davis, UC Davis, and it was typical in the wintertime to have fog. Um, we had a lot of rain. We had a lot of fog. I mean, that's something in the wintertime you were used to. And it's been years since one, we've had fog in the wintertime. Well, recently we've had fog. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, what is that gray stuff? I mean, we've had fog. I mean, where everything is so different, you know, and as I said earlier, when you're getting 90 degree temperatures in October, I mean, I used to once in a while, it was a fluke around the Jewish holidays, you'd have you'd have one or two days of hot weather. But this is like in the middle towards the end of October, you're getting 87, 88, 90 degrees in October. And then thank God we got our first rains. So all the all the trees, the shrubs, everything. I mean, some of the things were started to reflower. Um, everything was confused. But but as um, Roberta said, you know, it at the same time, people were reevaluating how they live their lives and what they're going to do. And used to be this mad rush to bigger, bigger, better, constantly sell your house. And now a lot of people that I know, instead of selling what they had, they're fixing it up and saying, I'm staying put. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'd say the bulk of my clients, I'd say 99% of my clients are people that have been in their homes for many years. Um, not new build. Um, unfortunately, because um, what the cost of houses are now, if you do buy a house, a new home, you know, one of these, uh, Sacramento's booming with new homes. Right. So it pretty much takes all you got to get into the home. And then, you know, to contemplate a landscape and now what landscapes cost, you know, um, I just end up working with people that are established, not new. Exactly. Homes. And well, and the other thing is lot sizes. Um, you, you know, in most in the older homes in Sacramento and in Davis, where I live, um, they were I mean, they weren't humongous, but they were nice sized yards. The new um, homes that are being built and the new developments there, the yards are teeny and they, their homes are right on top of each other. There's no privacy. So one of the things that we as designers have to consider is how are we going to be able to give you maximum amount of privacy so you don't feel like you're living in a fishbowl? Exactly. And we're further hindered by um, HOAs and CCNRs, which means these tiny little areas, um, they have a plant list and that's what we have to stick to. So it makes things even more difficult. But um, but that's what we do. And we're able to, you know, create beautiful yards, even in really small spaces. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it just takes planning. Well, it's getting on time. and. We both want to wish everyone happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy Christmas, happy um, New Year, 
New Year's and um, well, every day, whatever you practice and how, however you find your joy in that inner light, I will say that the winter solstice was yesterday. And from here on out, we're going to be gaining light. And then the rebirth is the spring. Yay. So Absolutely. time to dream about the gardens that you want. And we're going to keep in touch with you and talk to, talk to people all about um, their professional advice and what they do that could guide you there. And still have stories galore. And stories galore. Fish stories. Nice stories. I don't know if that fish story was <laughs> nice. I would be heartbroken. Oh, anyway, well, thank you and happy new year and happy holidays. And um, as always, Michael and I are digging, digging deep. deep.